baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for another chat about the Atlanta Braves as we continue the 2021 preview series. I'm excited to jump into the bullpen and size up all of the relievers the Braves have in camp, those that will be heading north with the club, and how exactly everything's going to be shaking out in the late innings for the Braves, as there will be some changes here in the new season, in the new year, if you want to call it that. And we'll get into all of that with Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution as we size up the candidates to pitch and relief for the Braves and where exactly they're going to fit as far as pieces of the puzzle for Brian Snitker. Before we get started on the show, I want to invite you once again to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews if you'd be so kind. Those really help out the show. You can also follow along on social media. Find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. Find the show at From the Diamond underscore over on Instagram. I am at Grant McCauley there. The show is at From the Diamond with no underscore. You can also find my YouTube channel. Just search for Grant McCauley. I'll be uploading every episode of the show and special interviews and features. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and catch the content over there in video form. And of course, you can find all the articles, podcasts, videos, and everything else I do at FromTheDiamond.com. So as we continue this Braves positional preview series, I want to welcome Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution into the show. Of course, if you're an avid listener to From the Diamond, then you've heard Gabe on here quite a few times. Friend of the program, friend of mine, you can follow his work on Twitter at AJC. Gabe, I appreciate you making some time, and I'm looking forward to slicing and dicing a little bit on what exactly the Braves have going in the bullpen for 2021. Absolutely. You know, so much of this team is set, but the bullpen is definitely one of the most interesting areas that we're going to talk about with this roster. Absolutely it is. And there's always competition in the bullpen, I feel like, year in and year out, even if you know the commodities that you're going to have in the late innings. And for the Braves, that wasn't necessarily a known factor heading into spring training year over year. Even this year, I think that's a little bit up in the air. But then again, I think it may be a pretty obvious answer as to who's going to be slamming the door. But as we saw, Gabe, in the year 2020, to kind of take a look back before we really delve into this year's roster, the Braves really had to lean on their bullpen, and it was one of the biggest strengths, along with the offense, that helped get the Braves to within a win of the World Series because nothing went according to plan in the rotation, and the bullpen was there night in and night out to get the job done. It sure was, and you think about it, I mean, other than you know those Kimbrel, O'Flaherty, Venters years, I mean, that was really one of the most impressive bullpens we've ever seen in Atlanta. Just a really experienced group, and then you had you know a guy like Madzek just come out of nowhere, and it's like, you know, he was just one of the most productive left-handed relievers in the bigs, and it just everything kind of clicked for this bullpen. You know, it's going to be a lot to ask to get that kind of production again, yeah. but when you look back on last season, 
it really was. They just they had to have that given how the rotation went, and they got it. And so will they get it again this year? We'll dive into that. But, uh, wow, I mean, it was just such a deep group. It was a really impressive group. And the people, like, they really liked each other. They were all good guys. It was really just – it was a mix that I think every team should strive for. Yeah, and it's certainly not a given. That's one thing that we can look at when it comes to a lot of positional battles and areas that you look to – figure out what you got in spring training. Then you hope you got that depth behind that. And there were some unsung heroes and then again, some great stories as well. I mean, you brought up Tyler Matzak. We'll talk a lot about him. He was certainly a big story. The resurgence of AJ Minter, just having, I think, really solid seasons from Mark Melanson and Shane Green and Chris Martin and all of that in the backdrop of the Braves' biggest monetary acquisition after the 2019 season was Will Smith. But he ended up having his season delayed by COVID. I think that was a real problem for him ever getting on track last year. So it's not that everything went right in the bullpen from day one, because, of course, we had to sit around and wait for quite a few months before the season even got started. But once it got there, this group really came together overall. There were some good veterans out there and then some other guys who just really stepped up when the lights were brightest and the team needed them most. Exactly. And you're going to look at you know Will Smith. That's a really good point because he was a guy who – he was supposed to be the most important guy in the bullpen entering the season, obviously, with what he was paid and his status. And, you know, they kind of did it in spite of him. For He wasn't what yeah. they thought that he was going to be. And that's going to be an argument for helping this year's bullpen because I think we can all agree he's, he's a better pitcher than he showed last sure. year. And he did have a valid excuse um, for how things went. And we did see him kind of, you know, get better toward the end. So, That'll be an argument for this year's bullpen. He should be in a better place. But, you know, they're going to need some other guys to step up this year. But as we've kind of seen with this team, this team does a great job of identifying guys who can kind of fill that void, even if it's temporary. You know, you look back to Anthony Swarzak, comes out of nowhere, and, you know, for a month he's really helping the team. And Luke Jackson closed for a while. And those are not places you want to be in. Unfortunately, the Braves are past those days. I don't think there's going to be a situation where there's, you know, they're relying on an Anthony Swarzak or that Luke Jackson's closing games again. So it's good that they're past those days, but they have done a good job at finding those guys and maximizing those guys, even if it's just for X amount of weak stretches. So that's a really good thing for this team is they they do have a ton of guys who can step up and, and fill that role besides the obvious, you know, the Will Smith, Chris Martin, A.J. Minter, those guys, they do have several other people that we'll get into that can contribute in spurts. Yeah, and let me throw some numbers at last year's bullpen just to let you know how good they were. The starting rotation was sub-500 last year, 14-16. and 16. I know we don't hang a whole lot on one-loss records of pitchers, but as a group, you can start to get a pretty good idea of what kind of factor the starters are in at least a good portion of these games. ERA for the rotation last year, was five and a half. I shudder to think what it'd be minus Max Fried and Ian Anderson because the Braves used a dozen other starting pitchers. That's how much turmoil there was in rotation. It was the exact opposite in the bullpen. 21 and nine records, so they picked up a lot of, if you want to call them vulture wins or whatever you want to call it, but they were getting the job done. ERA, two full runs lower, three and a half for the Braves bullpen last year, striking out better than a batter per nine, and not really issuing too many walks and not being that homer prone either. A lot of the stability was the back end of the bullpen because Mark Melanson kind of carved out that closer's role after Will Smith was slowed by COVID. He got some help from Shane Green and Chris Martin getting that set up. You got the resurgent A.J. Minter in the mix. You got Tyler Matzak in there. You got a bunch of different names that contributed to last year's bullpen. Even the veteran Darren O'Day, who spent a lot of time, I think, under contract with the Braves, and people wondered if he was ever going to pitch or if he was a real person. 
he was a factor for the Braves again last year as well. So I just wanted to throw those numbers out there because I think it's important to note just how big of a factor the bullpen had to be for the Braves last year. But let's start with the back end of the bullpen as we have discussed Will Smith a little bit. Their big signing of 2019, COVID was an issue for him as it was for several Braves, of course, including Freddie Freeman. But for Will Smith, it felt like to me, and I'm sure for you as well, as we've already kind of delved into it, it just seemed like he could never get on track. But when he's healthy, this is one of the best left-handed relievers in all of baseball, and that's exactly what the Braves signed him for because he's a great reliever. And I think he may be the answer to this closing question if things go, and I'm using the air quotes, according to plan this spring. Yeah, he is much better than he showed last year. And we saw some of those flashes of him, but you know, there's been a big enough sample size that we know the type of pitcher he is. And he was behind the eight ball from day one. I mean, he missed all of the summer camp and then he missed a handful of time in the regular season. And he was just playing catch up the whole year. Now, normal camp and everyone's saying that he looks great. So Spring training only means so much, but I feel comfortable assuming he will be better than last year. And, that, and that's going to be a big deal for this bullpen because he's going to be more important than he was last year, too. So I would agree with you, and, and I'll kind of throw it back to you because I would like to hear your thoughts on this, too. I do think he will probably be handling the bulk of closer duties. But, you know, as long as they still have that willingness to kind of deploy him in a tough spot and in other situations that he can help so it's not just a, a ninth inning thing. Yeah, I don't think they'll limit him necessarily to just the ninth, but I do think that when it comes to the closer's experience, I mean, yeah, A.J. Minter has some, but Luke Jackson had some, but as you mentioned, that was really out of necessity a couple of years ago. You're certainly not turning to Luke Jackson here as your first option to close games in the year 2021, but to focus it in on Smith, that last year in San Francisco where he took over as the closer, uh, he locked down 34 saves. He had an ERA sub-3 He's averaged about 12 or 13 strikeouts per nine in just about every one of his most recent seasons in terms of how he made himself an all-star reliever a couple of years ago. I really feel like you need somebody to step up and kind of be that leader. And I I know Brian Snitker's really big on that with everybody can contribute, but it's helpful to have leaders, plural, and Smith has got to be one of those guys. And I think that as somebody who has that experience and, you know, that kind of resume, And, of course, the contract has to play at least some part in it if it goes along with the talent level, which I think Smith still has at the age of, what, 31. This would really feel like his job to lose in a lot of ways, at least to me. And with the back end of the Braves' bullpen being very lefty heavy, I feel like they have some other options if they do need to go to a left-hander to get through a tough part of the lineup with somebody that they're facing on a given night. Yeah, they have several really good left-handed options. So that's a good point. And so is the leadership thing. You know, he's this bullpen has lost some veterans and lost some leadership. And, you know, Smith has been here for a year, and he'll kind of step up in that, that role. You still have Chris Martin. Mm-hmm. But Darren O'Day was kind of the class clown of the bullpen. And he was also a mentor to some of the younger guys. And obviously Mark Melanson had a leadership role, and now Shane Green is still a free agent. And as of right now, it does not look like he'll be back. So – They did lose some key guys there, but they were really happy with their in-house options. They're going to have guys stepping up, and they're going to have guys who learned from Melanson, from Green, and from O'Day who can go ahead and use that for themselves and, you know, push it on to the, you know, other newcomers that are coming in. So I think generally they're in a good spot. Uh, Will Smith, though, he's he's definitely – he's your highest paid guy, and and that is important because now Melanson is gone too, so – you don't have a reliever getting paid anything like that. But, yeah, I would expect ultimately he winds up getting the bulk of closer duties, but 
certainly they're not going to be constrained to just using him in that final inning. Yeah, I think Alex Anthopoulos mentioned that they wanted to be creative with him, but at that time you still had Melanson and Green in that picture. But a lot of stuff has changed, and still the Braves find themselves in a place you like to be in, which is that you do have talent and you have options for who could do the closing. The other two lefties in this equation, as far as the late innings are concerned, A.J. Minter, who was one of the great comeback stories for the Braves, who just was totally derailed in 2019, going all the way back to spring training, and then never got himself going in the regular season, kind of came back, uh, almost gave if spring training went through on time and opening day had been in late March or early April of last year, I think A.J. Minter would have found himself in Gwinnett. But with the shutdown, when he came back, it just seemed like he used that time to really, along with Josh Tomlin, who we talk about some leaders out in that bullpen, Tomlin's another name to throw out there who – is back in the mix this year as well. But A.J. Minter seemed to make the most of that layoff, and he came back just absolutely breathing fire and looking like another late-inning option, a high-leverage reliever for the Braves. You really can't understate how important Tomlin has been to Minter's career right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's Tyler, Texas. They're both from there. They've developed a really close relationship, and and Tomlin has really truly embraced a mentor role, a mentor role with Minter. Right, Minter's uh, mentor. Yeah, for real. But Mentor, it was great to see him bounce back like he did. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, just a few years ago, people were talking about him as the closer of the future here. Yeah. And he was worthy of that billing. He was he was really impressive. Uh, he had an off year, but now you look at it, he's still a young player. You want to see more. You want to see him do it again. But you, you look at how he was projected, how he performed. And you're starting to think maybe that one year was an outlier. Like, say, you know, he got into the car wreck in spring training and everything just kind of set him back. It just sometimes you have bad years. Yeah, but that happens. Like not everybody can be Freddie Freeman, right? Not everyone can just be on their A game every single season. And he, he had a bad year, and he was a young guy, and he learned from it. He came back motivated. You know, he consulted with the right people, and he had just a stellar. I mean, it was just phenomenal year. And for him to come back now, um, he's going to be a huge piece of this bullpen. He's a guy that. I think that they believe that can count on, and, and that's really big for him. So now he's going to have more responsibility, and he needs to just show that last season was kind of a sign of what's to come and just keep developing as a player. Yeah, for A.J. Minter last year, a 1-1 one one record out of the bullpen in 22 appearances, but sub-1 ERA, a little bit outperforming the FIP as far as that's concerned. His fielding independent pitching was a couple runs higher, but a very small sample size, so we don't need to dwell on that. But what I will say is when you start looking at his rate stats, he cut the hits in half. He cut the walks in half from the previous year, just about, and both of those. And there was just far too many base runners on in 2019. It was a mess, but he turned back into that more unhittable A.J. Minter, and he also doesn't allow very many home runs, which is something you'd like to see out of high-leverage relievers, regardless of what inning that they're throwing. And then there was a little matter of the Braves really kind of running out of options in their starting rotation in the NLCS. They tasked A.J. Minter with just giving them whatever he could against the Dodgers, and boy, did he deliver. He's got to feel great about not only the season he had, but the role that he played when asked to really step up and pitch in a different kind of high leverage for the Braves in that NLCS. You know, Bryce Wilson mentioned how much that his start in that series has did for him mentally. Yeah. And you have to feel that that Mentor, it, it had similar benefits, right? Talk about a confidence booster for him to go out there. It's a gutsy showing. It's easy for your nerves to take over there. I mean, heck, we sure. saw that with Kyle Wright, and we've seen it with different players every single year. And for Mentor to come out and do what he did, that really capped off his season. It really it shows that he really 
it's a big mentality thing with him. I mean, it's always been mental with him. And like you just talked about the walks. And so for him to come out, he has that aggressive mentality for him to perform like he did on that stage. It's only going to help him. And hopefully it's something that he parlays into this year. Absolutely. And so the other half of that equation, if you want to talk about the Braves bullpen M&M boys last year, as far as surprises were concerned was Tyler Matzak. And this was a guy that came literally almost out of nowhere. Not too many Braves fans, I think, were even imagining that Tyler Matzak would be part of the bullpen, let alone that he would find his way back to the big leagues because there was a decent question about if and when he ever would. He had not pitched in a big league game since 2015, and he really had to overcome a lot just to get his professional career back in general. Uh, Sub-3 ERA for him last year as well. Struck out over 13 batters per nine in his 21 relief appearances he was big, I think, again in the playoffs. I mean, just a, a weapon that the Braves could look to to help get them through whenever they needed to find somebody to get some important outs for him. And it got him a very interesting nickname from Darren O'Day. They called him the Death Star. I don't think I've ever heard a pitcher referred to as uh, that kind of weapon of mass destruction. But I will tell you this, Tyler Matzek is the kind of surprise the Braves would like to have one of every single spring. Somebody who just comes in and just out of nowhere, is able to write that kind of success story. Smith said before the shutdown, he was kind of pounding on Alex's desk saying, we need to see more of this guy, you know, get him into the other clubhouse. He's just so intriguing. And, I mean, he won people over really quickly. I mean, this is not a (laughs) – these are not people who are, like, easy to just win over immediately. And and he caught everyone's attention. Uh, Like you said, Darren O'Day is giving him nicknames like that. and. For him to have the year he had, I mean, I guess it was because he was a reliever. I felt like it should have been a bigger story nationally than it was. Maybe if he was a reliever on the Yankees or something, it would have been a bigger deal. But, I mean, he was a huge, yeah, he was a huge, huge story. And I don't really think you could say enough about him. You couldn't write enough about him. And people couldn't compliment him enough. I mean, what a story of perseverance. I mean, kudos to him. And, you know, if it continues and we don't really have a reason to think it won't, good on the Braves for, for finding this guy and investing in him and for him to be as productive as he is. I mean, he is now last year, no one had ever heard of him. Now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you have Matt Zuck who you can deploy in those tight situations. You need a lefty. He's like the perfect guy to send out there. Um, I mean, phenomenal year for him, all the credit in the world to him. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to see what he's got in store now. Yeah, much like A.J. Minter, hard to hit, doesn't give up very many home runs, walks not really a problem, and a whole bunch of strikeouts. That's a pretty good duo to put along with Will Smith to give the Braves a trio of left-handed relievers for high-leverage spots, including perhaps the ninth inning for one of these guys, most likely Smith. But not to take anything away from any of them, they've all got closer stuff, and that is where the Braves were so good for the last really year and a half, really since Alex decided to go out and kind of remake that bullpen at the trade deadline a couple of years ago that was when you started to see everything change out there. It wasn't about having one guy. It was about having a bunch of different options, and the Braves come back to camp with that as well. Just happen to have a bunch of left-handed options. The compliment to those three men, I think, though, is Chris Martin, who has been, I think, dynamite since he's come over to the Braves. Uh, had a good season again last year, which is not shocking to me at all. ERA sitting right at 1 in 19 appearances. He doesn't walk batters. He doesn't give up many hits. He doesn't give up many homers, and he throws strikes. I think I've been so impressed with Chris Martin just in the ability to come in and consistently pound the strike zone and still get hitters out. He's another guy who took an, you know, an unconventional path to where he is, but he was really good in Texas when they got him, and they ended up acquiring him for just Colby Allard, who I think we all agreed really had no future here. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so they end up, they get him, and he's been awesome. I mean, he's exactly what they needed. You remember the bullpen had a ton of issues with walks, and we talked about it constantly, all of these guys. You know, he had the Jesse Biddle issue and Mentor, and it yeah. was just over and over again. And you don't, we're not really talking about that anymore. And Martin is one of the best when it comes to, like you just said, throwing strikes. And he's really teaching some other guys. Like, you, you can't be afraid. You can be aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been stellar. I mean, just a fantastic addition to this bullpen. They wound up re-signing him, and it, it looks like that re-signing was pretty good. So, I think he's making $7 million this year, if that's correct. But, uh, no, he's a big part of this, too. And, and he's, he's going to be one of their key guys. So, so good for him. Yeah, $7 million contract for 2021 for Martin, who did re-up with the Braves after coming over in that trade. And we talked about the succeeding in the strike zone. Well, obviously, pitchers who hit the strike zone more often will have more success because they throw more strikes. At least that's the idea. But a lot of it, I think, is based on being able to get ahead and then getting hitters to chase over and over again. But Martin seems to win the battle and really just never get outside the strike zone, which is highly unusual for a lot of pitchers, especially in these days where the three true outcomes in baseball seem to be truer and truer by the year. He's made 39 appearances with Atlanta in the regular season anyway. He's walked four batters. One of those was intentional. So it's amazing how many you know hitters go up there knowing that they're going to get strikes but still not being able to accomplish much against Chris Martin. So I think that's the four that you look at for the back end of the Braves bullpen that are really known commodities or are coming off really good 2020 that catapults them into pivotal roles for the Braves in the 2021 bullpen. And then I've kind of tried to break this down into some tiers, Gabe, because I know we got a lot of different names to talk about. Uh, Some of them, we brought up Josh Tomlin, I think, as far as a long man's concerned. He might have the inside track on that above some of the Braves, maybe better starting pitching prospects, including a Kyle Wright or a Bryce Wilson, if they don't get a crack at the Braves rotation. I think that that would be a decent possibility that you'd see him there. We don't have to dwell on Tomlin. I think people know him a lot, speaking of strike throwers. But then some of the other names that, that become interesting to me is a guy like Jacob Webb, who has shown flashes, has had to deal with some injuries that have kept him off the field a little while. But a healthy Jacob Webb, I think, as a right-handed reliever, again, with some of the other guys in high leverage being left-handed, Webb could have a pretty good role to play on this team. What do you think? You know, Webb's a little bit forgotten, but he's been pretty productive when he's healthy. Uh, I, I would say that Webb and Tomlin are going to make the roster. I, I think maybe you could argue against Tomlin in favor of somebody like maybe Inoa, you know, someone in that category. Sure. But I, I think that they trust Tomlin. I think they like having him around. They value what he brings. And and ultimately, you know, it's not that big of a deal to start the season. So I, I would expect both of these guys to be in the mix. And this is a pretty big year for Jacob Webb. I mean, if he can stay healthy and we can see just a full season of what he can provide here because, I mean, again, when he's been healthy, I mean, he's been a really good reliever. So we'll just see. But I think they have a good one there too. Yeah, and having some of that balance to have really talented lefties and righties who can get both out. Because, again, with that three-batter minimum rule that's come in now, you're not really looking at guys who are specialists trying to come in and retire two batters at the start of an inning, and then they get pulled. I mean, there are ways to kind of manage around it, if you will. Say if there's already two outs in an inning and you just want that lefty-lefty matchup or whatever it is, you can still do it. But I think the Braves also, Gabe, have a whole bunch of guys that – Regardless of who the opposing team sends up there, you still feel good about the matchup because the Braves have the kind of relievers that can still get those big outs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not many bullpens in the majors who I think are, are stacked up like the Braves are. I mean, that's the bottom line is we can, you know, what are they going to have? Probably two spots 
up for grabs, maybe two, three. I mean, we can, you know, debate depending on how sure. you view if you think Webb is a lock, if you think Tomlin's a lock, whatever. But I would say at least two. But I mean, generally, if you just compare this to bullpens across the National League, I'm not, or in the majors even, I'm, I'm not sure how many teams stack up better. And that's going to be a huge thing. Obviously, bullpens have always been a huge part of the game. They're a huge part of the game now. And for this team to kind of be able to stack things up however they want, they have so many options for everything. Um, this is definitely an enviable position to be in. Yeah, and as I was going through just putting together this group, and again, I tried to do it in tiers, you know, talked about the guys that maybe the big guns, if you want to call them that, with Will Smith and Chris Martin, A.J. Minter, Tyler Matzak, and then going into that second tier of guys who are coming back, you know, Jacob Webb looking to really, I think, establish himself with a healthy season, Tomlin, who the Braves liked enough to bring back, but then a couple of guys that are back, the Braves were able to come to terms with tendered contracts to were Grant Dayton and Luke Jackson. I don't think that either of those names necessarily inspires the most confidence among Braves fans. I think Jackson had a really forgettable year in 2020. Don't know really uh, what to chalk it up to other than, hey, it was a strange year. It's a small sample size. Maybe he can get it back. But I don't look at those two guys as locks for the Braves bullpen. Do you? No, absolutely not. Uh, I, I think a lot of people were surprised that Jackson was tendered in the first place. But, I mean, they obviously like both of these guys enough that they wanted to bring them into camp and see what they've got. We'll see. Um, there's a lot of competition here, and we'll get into some of these other guys like a Carl Edwards or mm-hmm. something. Yep. But there are other guys competing for these spots who just offer more upside. So I'm looking at this, and maybe the Braves wind up just, you know, they obviously they like Luke Jackson. People roll their eyes, and they hate hearing that, but he has stuck around. So maybe ultimately they just decide to stick with him. But at this point, given how the bullpen has gone, to be honest, I, I would be surprised um, at this point maybe if either of these guys end up cracking the roster. But we have a long way to go in spring, and things can change. No, we certainly do. And you mentioned Carl Edwards Jr. Let's go ahead and kind of roll into some of the other guys that are in camp. I think he, Nate Jones, Victor Arano as well. I mean, you've got three kind of veteran arms, if you want to call them that, or guys who've had a little bit of big league success, certainly. Uh, Arano's pretty young. Nate Jones has been around for a while. He's in his 30s. And then you look at Carl Edwards Jr., who's 29 years old. He was a pretty good piece in the Cubs bullpen for a handful of seasons, including their 2016 World Series victory. ton of strikeouts for Edwards. He'll walk some batters, but he is, again, less than five hits per nine in his career. 199 appearances for Edwards in the big leagues. Pitched a little bit with the San Diego Padres after he was dealt away from the Cubs in 2019. Just five appearances for the Mariners last year. But if you're looking at a guy to take a flyer on, I think the Braves picked a pretty good one with Edwards. There could be some tread left on this tire. I think so, too. If you're kind of rolling the dice, I would rather just take a gamble on Edwards than I would just going with Jackson or Dayton. Yeah. Because there could really still be something with Edwards um, if he's healthy. And and Snit was very complimentary of him after his first outing. Um, And this guy, uh, you said, and he was a really electric reliever, and he pitched on good teams. Uh, Yeah, I would, assuming that he doesn't fall apart this spring, again, we'll see. We do have a ways to go here, but... I like everything I've heard about him. I like the profile. I feel like that is a guy who he has some real upside here. And I just feel like given the position that this bullpen is in, they can afford the kind of gamble. And if it doesn't really work out, that's not a big deal, right? No. So we'll see kind of what he does for the rest of the month. But he's really an interesting guy. Nate Jones is really interesting, too. 35 years old, had a bad year last year. But you could call him a long shot right now. But uh, he's doing everything that he needs to do to this point to work his way into that conversation. So 
uh, when I'm looking at two guys like that, two guys who have been there, done that, um, if, if you like what you see, I'm more inclined to just take two players like that than to take somebody like Jackson or Dayton, which you kind of know what you're going to get. And those are guys that the Braves have tried out, and it's about having some depth around as well. And looking at Nate Jones, again, he might be a long shot, but if you look at what he did with the White Sox, he was a pretty good, pretty valuable reliever uh, for quite a few years there. And, and last year with the Reds was a forgettable season for him. He's dealt with some injuries and stuff as well, but a guy with over 300 big league appearances, ERA just over three, can certainly strike some guys out, has good stuff. If you're taking flyers, having a guy with track record in here to – maybe see if he's got a little bit left to offer. You may be rebuilding some of the pieces in your bullpen year over year, but when you start with a group as talented as I think the Braves do with their late-inning guys, this is just really the finishing touches on this. And to kind of complete the thought I was saying earlier, as I went through and kind of broke these into tiers, I realized the Braves might have just kind of snuck in a little bit more depth to this camp than I realized as I was looking over and over and over again at, hey, why is Shane Green still a free agent? So let me ask you this. Do you think that the Braves are even in a position – where they need a Shane Green, or is that more of it would be nice to have Shane Green? It's definitely the latter. It's definitely nice to have. I don't think they need it because, again, we just been over this bullpen, and we're talking about yeah. really probably two or three open spots, and everyone else you feel pretty good about. We don't know necessarily where they stand budget-wise. We don't know what price Shane Green is asking for and how that might affect their flexibility come the trade deadline because we know the Braves – do want to leave room there. Definitely. So obviously that plays a role too. But just given where the bull to invest um, in what Green could want. Uh, again, I'm, I'm speculating here because I do not know his asking price. But yeah, he's nice to have. If you have the money, sure, why not, right? But yeah. um, just given where this team is realistically, given where they could be looking at the deadline, and if Edwards Jr. makes a roster, if Nate Jones makes the roster. One of these guys makes it and they don't work out. You have other guys. You're not screwed. You're not going to be relying on Nate Jones in the eighth inning, right? So no. um, just given where they are, I, I don't I don't think that Shane Green has certainly been nice to have, and he certainly had a nice season last year. But I think this team is fine moving forward without him. As I've talked about throughout his odyssey, if you want to call it that, out in free agency, one that continues right now, I mean, there's 29 other clubs that could also look at making Shane Green an offer. Then you start to take away on Shane's side, if he's looking to maybe get the opportunity to close again, how many clubs are out there shopping for a closer? Not quite as many. Uh, You may end up getting some of those save chances because injuries and attrition certainly happen in every big league bullpen throughout the year, but I don't really feel like he's found the right place for him. Certainly hasn't found the offer, I guess, that he likes at this point. He's still out there looking for an opportunity to pitch in 2021, which I assume that he wants to do, but things have not come together for him. Meanwhile, if you look at the Braves and their opportunity to close, I think Shane Green was a little bit of a long shot. Pitching in the seventh or eighth inning or somewhere in high leverage, absolutely. But last year, when the Braves had a choice to make on who was going to close and did not have Will Smith at full speed at the start of the season, they went with Mark Melanson again, and that seemed to work out well enough for them. And I just don't think that that much of the equation has really changed when it comes to if you do bring back Shane Green. But Also, to just make a long story as short as possible or bring it to a winding conclusion on that, I'd always love to have more talent and more experience if it's possible. So we'll see what the Braves decide to do and if maybe an in-season upgrade will be money better spent for Alex Anthopoulos and company. Uh, So we've talked a lot about some of the guys that we know are going to be in the bullpen, some of the guys we are familiar with from the Braves bullpen a year ago, and some of the guys that are in camp looking for a job. And then there's another little tier, another little pocket of Braves that – Uh, We know these pitchers, 
We just don't know exactly if they know who and what they are at times. Sean Newcomb had success in the Braves' bullpen in 2019. 2020 was absolutely a lost season for him. He just didn't factor into the Braves' plans anywhere, it seemed. Tuki Toussaint has had opportunities to start games, but I feel like his stuff may just play better in spurts out of the bullpen, and given the numbers game of starting pitchers in AAA, that may be the role for him. And some of these minor leaguers that the Braves have, even if they've been you know top 10 prospects for a while, at some point it might just be smarter to start looking at what you can get out of them if you're not going to trade them. Creating a bunch of relievers that have the kind of stuff that Tuki Toussaint has, that's got to be intriguing at some point for the Braves, does it not? It does. You know, we have this conversation quite often um, with these same guys. We've been talking about it now for multiple seasons, yep. and they're getting older now, and we still we still don't know. And yeah, I think that right now, Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright have kind of separated themselves say Tukey, but I would agree with you. Uh, Tukey, I think he would play better in the bullpen. Certainly Newcomb will. I think we've already seen it at this point. Either one of those guys, they're going to be around, and they will contribute. Will they make the opening day roster? I wouldn't bet on either of them sure. right now, but that's not – yeah, I mean, that's not – what does that matter? They're going to be up at some point. So it's a big year for both of these guys, especially – I mean, Newcomb – you know, I mean, what are you looking for out of him now? I mean, last year was obviously a terrible year. He's got a chance to reset and really try to earn his way back up. And and Tukey, we'll see. For him, it's just the consistency. You know, we've seen him go out there and we've seen him have great outings, mm-hmm. right? We've seen him have great starts and he's just, he looks dynamic and you're going, oh my word, look at this. And then the next outing, he can't throw a strike. So that's been the bottom line with him. It's just consistently throwing strikes and it will stay the, until he does it or he just doesn't. And he's just an erratic pitcher for however long a career he has. And really it's the same thing for Newcomb. So those are both interesting guys. I think both of them are going to wind up getting work out of the bullpen, yeah. depending on injuries and whatnot. Maybe you wind up seeing him in spot starts too, but I, I would certainly begin to think of those two guys more with the bullpen than I would the rotation. If you're not already. And with the depth that the Braves have in rotation, I talked a lot about this in part one of this preview series with Paul Bird. Just the Braves rotation last year, they had to use a whole bunch of guys. They pressed other guys into the rotation that you wouldn't have expected would be starting meaningful games for the Braves in 2020 if everything had gone according to plan. A guy like Ian Anderson, he leapfrogged over the likes of a Sean Newcomb or a Tuki Toussaint, even a perhaps a yeah. Bryce Wilson or a Kyle Wright for that matter because you think of Anderson as somebody who – now he's got a spot in rotation. Certainly you want to pitch well and keep it, but when it comes to that competition, Ian Anderson has really asserted himself to the front of the line, let's say that. And so it does bring up some interesting questions about some of the other guys. Uh, Tuki Toussaint turns 25 this year. Sean Newcomb turns 28. So Newcomb a little bit longer in the tooth, if you want to call it that. Hasn't really been able to establish himself in either role. He's had some flashes in the starting rotation. He's had some flashes in the bullpen, but really didn't pitch his way into the Braves' plans last year, and I'm interested to see when and if he'll get a spot or a shot in the Braves' bullpen in 2021. Same thing for Tuki Toussaint, Gabe. I think you said it great. He's had some dynamic outings that you think this guy has to be a player somewhere, and then he just can't seem to follow it up. So consistency for either man, especially when it comes to walks, would be a huge question for both of them to answer. Let me throw one more name at you here. We're not going to be able to get to every single pitcher that's in camp with the Braves, maybe hoping to be in that bullpen this year, but Waskari Noah, I think, is going to get some opportunities to start some games here in spring training, may end up at Gwinnett starting some games as well. I think that's a role that he could certainly fill if needed. 
but I also have seen this guy's stuff up close, and I am just so tempted to, even more so than a guy like Tuki Toussaint, just thinking about what Enoa could be as a bullpen weapon in the future, if not even just this year. I really, really like him. He's a really interesting guy. You know, he was acquired in the Jaime Garcia deal, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. He was. And he, he, yeah, he, he never really got a lot of buzz. Uh, he was always kind of on the peripherals just because they had all these bigger name guys. And But, you know, it's kind of like what you just mentioned with Nukem and Tukey. Uh, this team kind of told us what they thought of guys. And yeah. it's like when people were clamoring, can Fulte make a start at the end of the year? Like, they didn't do it. They didn't want him. They didn't mm-hmm. like him anymore. And, I mean, that's kind of what you saw with Nukem. I mean, they're just – and Noah has certainly passed both of those guys, Tukey and Nukem. Um, he's a really, really interesting guy. Snip, um, I asked about him the other day, and Snip can't stop glowing up about him. Yeah. Uh, they really like him. He's a very versatile guy. Uh, he, can, <laughs> he can strike people out. I mean, I mean, there's a lot to like about him, and he's the perfect guy to kind of make some spot starts for you if it came to that. Um, they do – obviously, they have Wright and Wilson possibly ahead of him in line for stuff like that, but – uh, he'll be a good guy out of the bullpen. We've seen him be effective there. So will he be on the opening day roster? Again, how much does that really matter? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But he's going to be a guy who factors in, and he's going to be a really, really important guy for this team, I think. If you're looking for kind of a name that maybe nationally isn't known or that maybe casual people won't necessarily recognize who's going to be really, really important for this team this year, I would certainly say it's him. Yeah, he could be on that very short list of, I guess, dark horse candidates to have some big appearances for the Braves, if nothing else, maybe play a role bigger than people are thinking about right now. A couple of other names, you know, obviously Chad Sabaka, who's been setting a record on I-285 going between Truist Park and Cool Ray Field over in Gwinnett. He's been up and down quite a bit for the Braves, not really a big factor for them. Patrick Weigel, though, is somebody that I feel is getting caught in the numbers game. He had Tommy John surgery, which set him back as well in 2017 when it seemed like he was knocking on the door as a starting pitcher. That's somebody to keep in the back of your mind. Also, I think that Kyle Muller is going to be getting starts at AAA Gwinnett. But, man, he, again, with his kind of stuff, somebody that can throw 99, 100 miles an hour, wouldn't be the worst thing to have out of the bullpen. But the Braves still pretty well set when it comes to left-handed pitchers in the bullpen as we've gone over a time or three. Later in the season, you know, if Muller's having a nice year, I could certainly see him getting some opportunities out of the bullpen. I know that Snit has before stated that he, he does believe in kind of breaking guys in through the bullpen and all. And I, I can't imagine, I mean, maybe they give him a start, uh, just that with their rotation depth, I'm not sure how that'll shake out. You know, there's always injuries and whatnot, but I could easily see him coming in and making his debut out of the bullpen and just firing in there, man. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a really talented guy. If his command is improving, and that's, that's what we hear, but we'll see. Gosh, that potential there is just massive. It definitely uh, you know, Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively. So he's a really interesting guy. Weigel, you know, I, I hate it for him just because, God, like some careers are just full of bad luck. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, a bad timing. And, and he's kind of had a career like that. I mean, his even his first spring training outing, I think two errors were made. And right. it, was just, it was just a mess. And he ended up he was charged like four runs or something. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure that he'll factor in eventually because about all these guys will. It's, it, you know how it's a numbers game. So, you know, I, I wish him the best uh, whenever he does get those opportunities. And Sabaka's just another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just He's just another name in the mix. Yeah, and that's about all that you can say that hasn't already been said. I mean, he's had several opportunities to really establish himself after, I think, kind of uh, catching the attention of folks a couple of years ago, but consistency. Again, you're not going to be able to be counted on to get big outs if you are having trouble getting outs in general, and I think that's kind of been the story on him 
for the last couple of years. So, uh, Gabe, I certainly appreciate all of your time to go through a lot of these names. We didn't get to some of the minor league guys that we know or just in camp maybe to get that experience and get some eyeballs on them. But it, it again, surprised me, not just the four guys that you think about most about the Braves, you know, high leverage relievers, but they have a lot of depth in camp this year. They've got some experience on non-roster type deals, and they've got some guys waiting in the wings looking to find a big league job. So there's opportunity in that Braves bullpen and I think that they've got some pretty good candidates to at least head north with and then figure out what they've got throughout the season and maybe reevaluate it come the trade deadline. They're in a perfect spot. They've got several guys that they're really confident in, and they've got another handful of guys who they believe have something to prove and have more to show that they can kind of mix and match throughout the year and, and just see who the next Tyler Matzek is or see who the next A.J. Mentor to take that stuff forward is. All right, well, we'll look forward to that throughout the course of what we hope will be 162 regular season games and about three or four weeks worth of playoff games. Sounds pretty nice to me. How about you? Sounds great. All right, let's make it four weeks. Let's just call it that. Let's play all the way into November if necessary. But, uh, Gabe, I appreciate all your time as always. Uh, When it comes to the bullpen of bringing folks in on From the Diamond, you are the first call that I like to make. I appreciate your time and look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. My thanks again to Gabe Burns for making the time to go through the candidates for the Braves bullpen in 2021. Hope you learned a little something from that conversation and got a little bit of insight on the guys that are fighting for jobs to get the big outs for the Braves to hopefully lead them back into the postseason and on into the World Series here in 2021. As always, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews on Twitter. Find me at Grant McCauley. The show is at From the Diamond underscore. Gabe Burns is at Gabe Burns AJC. You can find him there. I've also started up a YouTube channel where I'm uploading some special interviews and the episodes from each week. So be sure to check that out. Just search for Grant McCauley. Subscribe to the YouTube channel there. And, of course, you can find everything, articles, podcasts, interviews, videos, whatever I can throw at you at FromTheDiamond.com. And with that said, we'll wrap up this bullpen preview. As always, I appreciate you making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. And I look forward to catching up with you next time as our Braves preview series continues with a look at the Atlanta infield. So that'll wrap things up for this episode of the show. For Gabe Burns, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time on From the Diamond. So long, everyone.